0: My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hello everyone. So I've got two questions today as usual. The first one is about a six year old who gives up easily and mom wants to know how to help her son build some more persistence and perseverance. The second is about a preschooler calling names. How do we deal with that? But first, I have decided to start producing more video tips that I'm going to be posting to the Your Village YouTube channel and my Instagram page. I was doing this a while ago. I know people really loved it and it just was a lot. I'm like, I don't need one more thing to do, but it really is time to pick this back up. I know it's really helpful. I really enjoy doing it. So I'm gonna get back to that. So for the YouTube channel, you can either just look up Your Village, do a search for Your Village. I'm about the eighth video down. Or you can go directly to youtube.com slash C, as in cat, slash Your Village Santa Clarita. I had to use my location. So it's Your Village Santa Clarita to find the page directly. And you can subscribe to see the video tips as soon as they are posted. If Instagram is more your thing, you can find me at ironmom2020. So I'm really excited to start bringing these quick five minute tip videos on all kinds of topics, getting and staying organized as a busy family, tantrum prevention tips, power struggle tips, getting kids to do their chores and help out and just generally do what you ask them without their complaining and pushback, school and homework tips, you name it. And I would love to know what tips you would like to hear about. So I'll be starting with two video posts a week and I'm gonna work my way up to five a week. I'm probably gonna shoot them all at once and then post them throughout the week. So this is an opportunity to get your tips up and going and answered quickly because you will be in early on the queue. For now, we'll have you send them to amy at amy at yourvillageonline.com. Just let her know. It's an idea for video tips. My new iPad arrives tomorrow, so I'm going to get a couple videos up this week. So now on to the questions. The first question is from Jennifer. She wrote, hello. I hope this is where I can send in a question, and I do hope you will consider addressing it on your podcast. My name is Jennifer. I'm from Nova Scotia, Canada. I love it. I have lots of Canadian parents on my website and listening. Love it. Parents all over the world. It's awesome. I've been an avid listener for so, oh, and, and I've been to Nova Scotia. I actually, I used to work for a company. I was back when I did computer work. I was a computer science major. I don't know if I've talked about that much on the podcast, but my bachelor's degree is in computer science. I worked for a company that did Geographic information system software and I was one of the programmers for that and so I would work with clients who would buy our software and one of my Big clients my main clients was in Nova Scotia, Canada I got to go up there for a week and work with This group of amazing engineers and see Nova Scotia, which was just a beautiful beautiful part of the world So I have great memories of Nova Scotia have not been back since okay on to the rest of Jennifer's question I've been an avid listener for some time now and always find your podcast so helpful. On one podcast you mentioned, most of your questions come from parents of younger age children, and you do have extensive experience with older children as well, so I hope this will be of interest to you. The questions are always of interest to me, just so you guys know. I try to answer every question that comes in, but we do have a little bit of a backlog But, um, you know, I get so many questions on bedtimes and uh, and aggression in young toddlers and preschoolers because those are just what a lot of parents deal with. But I love all questions, kids of all ages. I think the whole development process is really interesting and intriguing. And it's just fun to watch them through each stage. So Jennifer's question. I'm getting on a lot of tangents today, aren't I? (laughs) My son is six years old and in grade one. Developmentally, he has always achieved the milestones right on the cusps. Walking at 15 months, talking by 23, etc. So, not late, but right near the cusps. Since a young baby, his father and I always encouraged him, constantly trying to build up his self esteem and confidence. But since a young toddler, he was always so cautious to try things, despite us never showing negative reactions to his efforts and attempts. This has carried on through childhood. He tries to ride a bike, but refuses to take his training wheels off because he's afraid to fall. He's been in swimming lessons, skating, baseball, and in each activity, he will put in minimal effort, fall down, not be able to swim or bike, and then get so upset and discouraged and sad. It breaks my heart and I'm at a loss on how to help him. School has always been fine, but this week his teacher spoke to us about him being distracted and not putting in effort and with his riding. She talked to him about being a capable student, but he didn't want to try. I'm very concerned how this lack of effort or fear of failure will evolve as he grows. Another example, we were playing Mario Kart and he came in third and had a full-on meltdown crying because he was so upset he didn't come in first. This is basically the mentality behind every other activity. Please, do you have any advice on how to support our son in this situation? Sincerely, Jennifer. So I talk a lot about persistent children because this personality type seems to be more prevalent and parents are often asking about how to deal with their children who are constantly pushing and not giving up. But there are kids and people on the opposite end of this who are low in persistence, who give up easily. There are two pieces to this. One, it can be an inborn temperament trait, which is definitely what Jennifer is seeing the other is a mindset and while it can be shaped or influenced by temperament mindset is also not so much learned like not kids don't necessarily learn a fixed mindset but it may just be kind of part of who they are but a growth mindset is definitely a learned trait in either case there are things that you can do to help your child A less persistent child can learn to stick with tasks longer, as well as we can help children develop a more of a growth mindset. So I'm going to start with the temperament trait of low persistence. Now, remember when it comes to these traits, we definitely can help our children become more persistent, more flexible, express their emotions more appropriately without falling apart, and they can get better control over these emotions. But we will never be able to make a child who is the complete opposite to go all the way to the opposite end of the spectrum. So a child who's really low in persistence is never going to be a highly persistent person. A child who has a low activity level is never going to be a highly active person who's always moving, always on the go, always wants to do something, that type of thing. But we can move them along the scale closer to the middle and help them develop those skills. So a less persistent child may have trouble finishing tasks. But on the positive side, they do tend to be good at multitasking. They also tend to give up on toys or tasks that are too complicated, difficult, or uninteresting for them. So here are some things that you can do. And this is from the class on temperament because persistence is one of the nine traits that I cover in that class. So for family and home, in the class I divided into four sections. The first is family and home. So, what you want to do with a child who's low in persistence is you want to work on chores and activities together. This way, you can encourage your child through the process. You can see how much they can handle at one time, and then you can slowly increase your expectations over time. They can get a little frustrated, but if they start to fall apart or they're getting to that brink of falling apart, you want to stop for the day or for 20 minutes, give them a break, that type of thing, whether it's with chores, with homework. So, so here's an example. About cleaning the room. So if you just say go clean your room, they might take one look at it, feel completely overwhelmed, fall apart. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. This is too hard. This is too overwhelming. They're just, they're not going to be able to tackle that task. So they'll give up. Or they might pick up one or two pieces of clothing and just stop. So working with your child through the process. Let's work on your room together. Okay, let's start with the clothes. I'm going to help you. Let's pick them all up and put them on the bed. Then you do this together. Then you go through the clothes together. Now let's see which ones are clean enough and which ones are dirty. So you could, you're you gonna just teach your child through the whole process. You're gonna tell them underwear, always go in the hamper. But let's check your shorts and t-shirts together. You're gonna teach your child what to look for for dirty and clean. You're gonna, you're gonna teach your child how to smell the clothes. You're gonna teach your child how to check the clothes for stains. Now this is going to take some time, right? Once they get to the point where they're checking it themselves, you're gonna double check it and just make sure and then point it out. I think you did a really good job with with these three pieces of clothes, but these two pieces of clothes, I see some stains on here, so let's make those the dirty ones. The other thing children will do, as many of you know, is they're gonna stick them all in the dirty right? They're all going to go in the dirty clothes because they don't want to have to fold them because once they learn, oh, I have to fold them, then everything's going to be dirty. So there's a couple ways to circumvent that. Number one is with my kids, uh, they have to do their own laundry. They don't wash them, but they put them all in the dirty clothes. But once they come out, they then have to fold them. So they have to fold them anyway, whether they're folding them now or folding them later, they have to fold all their own clothes. Now we started that once they were eight. They were folding their own clothes when they came out of the laundry. We'd put it in a pile for them they fold them and put them away. So that's one way, because by the time they're eight, that's about when they're gonna be doing this by themselves anyway, once they're fully capable and understanding of the whole room cleaning process. So you have them divided into clean and dirty. You have your child take the dirty ones to the hamper. Super easy to pick up the pile, they take them to the hamper and dump them in. That's something they can do. Now you can teach your child how to fold the laundry, what's left. Now, if they're really young, five or six, mm, you know, it's up to you if you wanna start trying to teach that yet fold the laundry. They can put it away in the drawer, right? So, you know, you decide when you're ready to start having your child start folding their own laundry. Then you can assess where your child's mindset is. If they seem to be hanging in there in a decent mood, you can then go to the next thing, books, toys, whatever it is, trash on the floor. If they're barely holding it together, if you can see they're kind of, you're kind of pushing their patience, you're pushing their mood, You could finish up for the day and say, okay, tomorrow, we're gonna work on the books and we'll organize those together. Tomorrow, we're gonna pick up the trash. Tomorrow, you get the idea. Over time, your child will then learn what to do and be able to do more and more on their own. So this is the scaffolding process I've talked about in the past. You're gonna give them the support they need to get the tasks done. And then you're gonna slowly step away, giving them less and less support because they're going to be able to take on more and more on their own. With a child who's low in persistence, this is going to take a longer time, some more support over time as you slowly pull away that support structure. And that's okay, this this is just what they need in this particular area, but there's gonna be other areas that child is gonna be amazing and you won't have to support them so much. The next thing is you wanna remember to be and to encourage other family members to be patient, just like I was talking about, be patient with their process, be patient with their learning, be patient with them being able to take on more and more on their own. When you are patient, it will give you guys the time and the connection to help with this process and help it develop better. This is just one of your child's struggles. We all have different struggles, but this just happens to be theirs, and patience as you work with them to learn to stick with tasks and will help your child have more patience with him or herself. You wanna offer to help complete a project such as building a fort, a train track, or a block city. Then when they complete it, you can give positive feedback. Look at the cool fort we've built together. We worked on this for half an hour. That was very persistent. For school and learning, this is the second area I cover in the class. You wanna find a program. Now this is gonna either be for your preschooler or if you have a kid who's already in formal education like Jennifer, then an extracurricular activity that encourages process art. We're experiencing the material and the process is more important than making something specific. Honestly, I think this is important for any child of any temperament to have this kind of opportunity because kids who are super goal-oriented also need to learn to sit back and enjoy the process and not be so focused on the end product. So it's great for any child. For your low and persistence child, set goals together. Establish timelines for completing each step as well as the final goals. You're gonna help them break down bigger goals. So when it comes to homework or projects, you're gonna break them down into smaller tasks. If you have a child low in persistence, a six-year-old, one single page of math work may feel overwhelming to them. You may need to break that down. Okay, we're gonna do the top third of the page now. We're gonna take a break, have a snack. We're gonna come back to the second third of the page. Then after dinner, we're gonna finish the last part. And then the next time you can divide it in half. So maybe do the thirds for the first couple weeks. Then you can divide it in halves and then you can start helping them get all the way through one full sheet of math in one sitting. And it won't feel so overwhelming. Helping them break it down and then build up their persistence on that piece. Other thing you could do for school and learning is, and again this is for parents of preschoolers, but you can do this in elementary years. That's ask your teacher to encourage your child to complete simple activities. You can let the teacher know that this is something your child struggles with, that when they get too much work all at once, that it's overwhelming for them, and have the teacher break it down. Instead of giving your child a whole packet of math, have the teacher give your child one page at a time, that type of thing. The temperament class covers two more areas for working in each of the nine traits, activities and leisure, and guidance and discipline, but I also wanna get to talking about the growth mindset as well, plus the next question on children engaging in name calling. So if you wanna learn more about a highly persistent child, a child low in persistence, or any of the other eight traits, and how to support your child's growth in these areas, see the class on temperament at yourvillageonline.com. Now before I cover the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset, and the question about name calling, It's time to hear a few words from our episode sponsor. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. Now that we're back after the break, I'm going to share more about the growth mindset versus fixed mindset and the question about name calling. I've covered growth mindset in a couple of previous episodes but I'll reiterate some of it here because teaching a growth mindset is another way of helping kids with this stuck mindset. Growth mindset is something that can be taught. Interestingly, research shows that it is not something that is just picked up simply through modeling. So if you have parents with a growth mindset, unless it's specifically taught to, to their children, they're likely not going to pick it up. It actually needs to be explicitly taught. So this is a great thing for all of us parents to know and to help our children work on and for to work on ourselves too, right? We all probably struggle with this sometimes. So a fixed mindset is when someone believes that, that their intelligence is innate. It's fixed. It's a matter of genetics. Now a six-year-old isn't going to sit there and think like, my intelligence is a matter of genetics, but they'll have the same type of thought, but in a different way. They'll think that way with their talents, right? I'm just not smart enough. This, I'm just not good at math. I'm just not good at writing. I'm not a good reader because they see other kids around them reading super fast. So they just think that innately they're just not as smart or as good or as talented as the other kids. They're fixed and cannot be developed. You have it or you don't. You're naturally smart or you're not. Nothing you can do will improve that. The focus is on the outcome. And then some kids will be really good at certain things and they'll be super talented and super gifted. But then in other areas, they have a really hard time and they struggle. So for them, they have that same thought, that same thought process. So then they come up with this idea that effort is for those without talents. It's for those who have deficiencies. So if they're super great at math and it comes super easily to them, those those other kids aren't as smart as me. They have to work at it because they don't have the talent. But then they'll come up against something that's difficult for them and then they think, well, I don't have the talent for this part. So there's no point in trying. They think that risks and efforts reveal inadequacies. So if I have to work at something, if I have to take a risk at doing something, then I must not be very good at it. If I try and then I fail, what does that say about me? With a fixed mindset, it means I'm less than those who succeed or do better than me. It becomes personal. I'm a failure rather than I failed. On the other side, the growth mindset people, they think intelligence is fluid. It can improve with effort and knowledge. Effort brings accomplishment. They focus on the journey. They value what they're doing. They love tackling problems, and the journey is deeply meaningful to them, so the effort is validated. It's okay to keep working because I'm learning and I'm growing, and if this doesn't work out, I'm gonna find another way. I'm gonna try to figure this out. Failure means an opportunity to learn from mistakes and work harder or differently the next time. It's not personal. I'm not a failure. I just need to figure this out it's a matter of effort and change now can anyone be an einstein no growth mindset doesn't mean we're all equal some people do need to work harder some have more talent in one area or another but that's not an excuse to give up even though change is possible it doesn't tell you how much change is possible or how long it will take it also doesn't mean that everything that can change should it is important to accept imperfections especially those that do not harm our lives or those of others. But with a growth mindset, we also believe that success and intelligence are cultivated through effort, that our true potential is unknown or unknowable, which, which is just a really amazing way to face the world. And just to give a little bit of my own story is when I was building this business, I really didn't know what I was doing, and I went through a lot of struggles with my own self-esteem about if I could do this, if I had what it took. Other people were just better at business than me. You know, I just don't seem to know how to do this. You hear about all these overnight successes, and I just thought, wow, I'm just, they're just smarter than me, and they're just better than me. This just isn't something I should be doing. And it took a lot for me to face myself down and just say, no, you know what? You're going to have to work. It's just not going to come that easily. You're going to have to face yourself. You're going to have to figure out what you're not doing the best that you can. You're just gonna have to keep figuring out a better way to help people understand what you're offering, to help people understand how great your classes are, to help people understand how much you really know and understand. You're gonna have to figure that out and you're gonna have to stop letting Every little thing that gets in your way, take a big chunk out of your self-esteem. So that's a process I had to go through. And I still do. I still have to face that down sometimes. So if we can teach our kids to do this, if I had had this going into adulthood, that would have been an amazing gift for me. So I just think that's an incredible thing to teach our kids. And some kids are going to pick it up easier than others, and some are going to struggle, and they're going to fight us on it. But this is a great, great thing to be teaching them. So this answer is getting a little long, not just because I went off on my anecdotes. So I did wanna get in a couple tips for working on this, but I also wanna get to the next question. So one way to work on growth mindset is through encouragement or what I also call descriptive praise versus evaluative praise. This is focusing on their effort rather than the outcome. It helps them build that intrinsic motivation, their interest in the process. So this is when you describe what your child has done or is doing. And then you label it. So especially for things they might normally struggle with. And you want to point out the improvement. So you finished the math sheet without taking a break. That was persistent, right? We're talking about getting through the whole math sheet, so breaking it down into thirds and then halves and then finally through the whole thing. When your child finally gets to the point where they're doing the whole thing, you definitely wanna give positive feedback. If they're doing better this week than last week, last week you could only do one third at a time. Today you only had to divide it in half. That was persistent. You really wanna notice their progress and their improvement. Last week you needed some help with the puzzle, but this week you finished it all by yourself. That was independent. Again, you could use persistent, either of those. You don't wanna be patronizing or doing it over every little thing. Wow, you finished a math problem. You're so persistent, right? That's a little bit too much, but you want it always to be genuine. It lets your child know what traits you find admirable and how they embody that trait and that they're also going to get feedback from doing something positive. Now, the opposite of that is the evaluative praise, which is lots of pats on the back. You got an A, great job. I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. That was the best essay I've ever read. You are so smart. This teaches kids to perform for the accolades, not for the process of learning and improving. So you really want to work on the encouragement and stay away from that evaluative praise where you're evaluating their efforts, right? For more ways on building a growth mindset, Now there was a, again, there was an episode I did not too long ago. I think it was in the last couple months. you can go back and listen through some of those. Try to find that one because I went into some other ways to do that. Also the class on yourvillageonline.com about teaching a growth mindset. Also a couple of related classes you might find interesting are raising responsible kids. Helps kids take ownership of themselves, of their own skills, of their own life as they age. What you should be expecting out of your child by age. Also chores and allowance and the self-esteem classes. There's a self-esteem from zero to five and then five plus, which covers lots of ways of working on kids' self-esteem so that it's internal, so that it comes from an internal place of they're proud of themselves rather than looking for an external feedback on how well they've done. The next question is from Nina. It's about name calling and when and how to step in. So she wrote, I have two questions. One, what is your take on name calling? My four-year-old son calls his friends silly names like Poo-Poo Head, Fart Man, and Banana Head. They all have a laugh and names get exchanged between one another. Sometimes my son would try it on an adult and the, gr- and the grandparents. The adults just smile and ignore it. Should I step in every time? Two. More recently, a friend of my son called my son baby names like, You're a big baby. You cry like a baby. You silly baby. After a disagreement between the two. Sometimes it gets to him and he calls baby names back. I'm not a baby. You're a baby and sometimes he scratches and hurts because he's mad. At times, I'm in shock, and I don't know what to do. I just pull him away, and I struggle to find words to coach him. What should I do when I myself can't control my anger? Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you, Nina. And this is a great question, and we've talked about aggression in other ways, but name-calling can be aggression, but this isn't necessarily the case in what I'm seeing here. Sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't, so we're going to differentiate that. So, There's not a hard and fast rule for this. It's going to be situational because of that. Is it it an an aggressive nature or is it just being silly? It seems his intention is really to just be funny and silly so that it doesn't really warrant any need to step in. Also, just so you know, potty talk is really big during this age. And so that's why they're all laughing together, right? They, They just think the potty talk is the funniest thing in the world. So here's the other part. If the other child is upset by it, then we wanna step in. So in that first instance, it really sounds like everybody's just having a good time and they're all being silly and exchanging these silly names. I would definitely just let it go because they're gonna just grow out of it eventually, but they're all having a good time. They all think it's funny. Nobody's feelings are hurt. They're just being silly and having fun. So I think it's totally fine to ignore it and just let it happen. It's just the way they're playing. Now, if the other child is upset, like in the case with your son, then you wanna step in and help the other child or your child by setting some boundaries around it. If the other child is ignoring or just saying, "Yeah, well, you're an appley doo-doo face," and they seem to be having a good time and not and nothing's ratcheting up, ignore it and let it go. Then, but if you hear it getting more heated, if it's starting to ratchet up to the next level, they cross the line, or you can tell it might possibly turn to something physical. You want st- to—that's when you want to step in. So. Let's use the, so let's use the example of your son was then the one that was being called names and he didn't like it. You could tell he didn't like it. And then he's starting to resort to doing something physical like grabbing or pinching or hitting. So if you start to hear it ratchet up, you want to try to get in there before that happens. Try to step in because you can kind of hear it and you're like, okay, I can tell this isn't going to go well. You want to get in there as quickly as possible. You want to coach your son how to tell his friend he doesn't like being called names. So you want to, Coach him to use his words first, and then you can coach both children through the conversation. So so it might look like this. Colton, it sounds like Jacob isn't enjoying this kind of play. He's not enjoying being called names. Then you can help your son tell his friend, Jacob, how can you let Colton know you don't like the way he's playing using your words? Then what you can do is you can help your son form a few sentences to share his displeasure. By an adult stepping in and setting the boundary first, it really should help curb that behavior because the other child realizes, okay, when I do this, an adult is going to step in and it isn't just going to be able to be let go and let the other child get upset that someone's going to come in and stop us from doing this. So they're going to think more about it in the future before doing that. And it may take a couple of reminders, but usually one or two reminders is going to be enough. And this should definitely deflate the situation so the boys can get back to playing more agreeably. If it happens a second time, you step in, coach again. But you can also set a boundary that if it happens again, Colton, Jacob really isn't enjoying the name calling. It sounds like you two may need a break from each other today. So if it happens again, Jacob and I will need to go home and we can try again next week. It's not mean, it's not mad, it's just letting both of them know about the boundaries, and when children play together for a long time, they're getting a little tired, they're just not able to maintain the rules as well. It lets your son know he's allowed to set boundaries around what he does and doesn't like, that he doesn't need to stay and participate if he's not having fun. It also sets the same message to the other boy, that maybe he'll be in that situation another time, and he can learn that lesson too. Oh, it's okay for me to not stay and play with someone or to keep doing something if I'm not really enjoying it. It lets both boys know that other people may not always like the way they play. And if so, they may not wanna stay. And that's okay, and it's good, actually. Kids can really get comfortable with each other and they get tired, so the behavior will just go downhill as the play date wears on. So it's okay to call it quits, give everyone a chance for some quiet time, relax, recharge at home on their own, and then go back and do another play date next week and as they keep practicing they will get better and better at reading each other at standing up for themselves as you teach them how to work through it so the class you're developing preschooler covers social development and coaching children through these social interactions how they can join ongoing play if there's a group of kids playing and your child wants to join how do they go in and ask to join in a way that is most likely to get a yes or just allow your child to come in and join that play? It doesn't give the other kids an opportunity to say no or go away. You want It also teaches you how to work on sharing, how to teach your kids about sharing. All those social skills that are really important, they're really developing during these preschool years. As far as controlling our own emotions, this is really something that takes patience with ourselves and practice, practice, practice. So things like looking at particular exchanges or parts of the day that are triggering for us. So whether it's getting ready in the mornings or bedtimes, those are really big ones for a lot of parents. Getting ready in the mornings because we're trying to get out the door, at least we used to be, but some of you are able to do that now. Trying to get out the door and our kids aren't listening, that tends to trigger a lot of parents. And bedtimes because it's been a long day and we're tired, our patience is down, that can trigger a lot of parents. So you wanna look at what you're currently doing, you wanna come up with new strategies. If you have a new strategy to go to and you have it ready, it's a lot easier to change the way we interact. So the class on power struggles actually has a worksheet for just this, about listing out those trouble exchanges, troubling times of the day, what you've been doing, because obviously if it's not going the way we want and it's a pattern, then it's not working. Okay, listing out those times of day, listing out those exchanges that often aren't going well. Because when we keep doing the same thing, we're going to get the same result. We know it's not working, right? So we have to find a new way. We have to take control of changing that pattern and that interaction. So that's what that worksheet does. It talks about the old ways and then the new ways. And then through the class, you go through the class on power struggles and you pick out the new strategies that work for you. You also can use that worksheet in the Peaceful Parenting Part 2 class because the Peaceful Parenting Part 2 gives tons and tons and tons of tips and strategies for staying cool in those moments of chaos. And I put in every single possible strategy that I could come up with because what works for me may not work for you. What works for you may not work for me, may not work in the situation, may not work with a particular child. So there are so many things to choose from that you can decide what you feel like is going to work. And so on that worksheet, you can put down like one, two, or even three different things you're going to try to see how it goes. Now, you don't want to try something and then it doesn't work. Then you try something doesn't work. You want to try something and stick with it and really give it a chance to work because you know, when we change our behavior, it sometimes takes our children a little bit of time to catch up with us and go like, oh, okay, this is how this is going to go now and to accept it. So so those are some ways to work on keeping that cool during those stressful exchanges, staying in control and being that peaceful leader for our families. Okay. All right, everybody. So don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. Subscribe to get the new bi-weekly quick parenting tips that are going to be coming out starting this week. Again, you can just search for your village. The channel's about eight videos down on the list or you can go directly youtube.com slash c as in cat slash your village santa clarita also you or you and or you can follow me on instagram at iron mom 2020 it's going to be a little easier for me to put these up on the youtube channel it's just easier to upload to youtube than it is to instagram so they'll probably go up there first but i will also get them onto the instagram page as well. Just trailing behind the YouTube channel a little bit. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.